0: That the greatest thing that can happen to a human being, please—it's—it's it's not winning an Oscar, it's not um, wow. Did I just go on? Am I fine, Zoe? Are you fine? Oh man, no, I'm not putting you on the spot. Isn't she lovely, Zoe? Okay, I—I—you I, will hear me get vocal. It's normal, so I'm just giving a heads up. Turn down the hearing aids. All right. So. Where was I? Ah, oh, yes. It's not winning the Oscar. It's not finding the perfect girl. It's not getting that dream job. Do you know what it is? The greatest thing that can happen to human hearts is the moment when the Holy Spirit works in that person's life and shows them their need for Jesus. It's powerful. It, it is a, it is a, it's, a, it's a creating work. It's a miracle of grace. And can I just say to you tonight, that's where you start, is you need Christ. You might be coming here for other reasons, but it's a joy for me to tell you the reason why you were made and you were born was for him. And the way it starts is he's offering eternal life to you as a gift. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. But friends, what a blessing he's willing to give it tonight. And uh, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in salvation. Is It flows with what he's doing. He's helping us come alive to Jesus, to believe in him. To receive this life inside of us. But friends, in week three last week, we saw that it's not just merely the fact that the Holy Spirit helps us come to salvation. Is that the Holy Spirit empowers us to work out that salvation. Is that salvation is just the start. And he said that we receive life through the Spirit coming to our souls. The Bible, I'm trying to use biblical language for us, so when you read your Bible, it sounds familiar, is... It is the filling ministry of the spirits. And we said a great way of of describing how this filling ministry works is like a swimming pool. I have a swimming pool. Um, It was one of the most exciting things. We only had it for about a year and a half. But um, I have to watch it. Its level goes down. And so there's two ways I can fill it. One is uh, I can stick a hose pipe in. And uh, I daily check that those levels are fine. and, And this host pipe has this gentle stream of water, nothing really noticeable, but it's there. And over a period of time, we see that there's change. And that's the one way that the Spirit works is daily infillings. And it comes from Ephesians 5 verse 18. It says, be filled continuously with the Spirit. That means every day you come under the Spirit's influence. You come under His leadership. You yield to him. Joe's going to be preaching that next week, so I'm not going to study his thunder. Or oh, you have. Oh, wasn't it such a wonderful illustration after uh, Sunday's sermon? Who was around for the storm on Monday? Hey, woo hoo Let me tell you, my swimming pool, uh, I, I stupidly went out in the gale and I, I ran to get my PVC pipe and link it to the gutter, throw it into the pool, Within half an hour I'd taken it out because, goodness me, God was filling it for me. It was wonderful. And, uh, and you get these special moments. In the human soul, when the work of the Spirit is heightened, it's powerful, it is something that is accelerated, it's something that fast-forwards the move of the kingdom in a human soul through this heightened work of the Spirit. And uh, we looked at last week, it was important that the Old Testament, when you read your Old Testament, people longed to be in what we enjoy today. They long for it. They long to be a part of this work of God, heightened work of the Spirit. And we saw in Jesus' life, he's the perfect example of these two kinds of infillings. He was conceived by the Spirit, and from that second, please hear me tonight, he wasn't waiting for a special experience before he started living for the Father. From that moment of his conception, he started living for the glory of his Father every day. And so must you. You must Daily, start living for Jesus. You have the Spirit by nature of your salvation. And Joe's going to show us how we relate to him in a daily way. But friends, you must start living for him until we see in Luke chapter 3 at his baptism something special happened to Jesus. He had a greater infilling, a special infilling. And it was the point of him starting his public ministry And Jesus attributed his ministry, it's very important, not to his divinity of saying, I am the Son of God, and therefore on the authority of my my divinity I'm doing these things. He said, no. He says in in, in Luke chapter 4, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The empowering for Christ to do what he did was through the empowering of the Spirit. The special help. The special infilling. So let's carry on. And my first point is, what exactly do we mean by the special infillings of the Spirit? I know we've spoken a bit about it last week, but I want to be even clearer this week. Well, we are not talking about the regenerating work of the Spirit in the human soul. We're not talking about His initial creating work at salvation. I want to ask you a question tonight. Have any of you noticed that in this uh, talking about the special infillings of the Spirit, I have not used a particular term I have not used the baptism of the Spirit. Anybody been waiting for me to use that term? Anybody familiar with that term? Hey, being baptized by the Spirit. You just put up your hand if you ever heard that before. All right. Now, what you find in the church is when one part of the church talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they are talking about this work of the Spirit at 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 conversion. Uh, and that is right. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, uh, we see clearly, Paul is saying to his Corinthian church, he's saying, guys, you, you, you're totally divided. One's platforming with this one gift against the other. One's following Apollos and Peter and Paul. It's a mess. And he's calling for unity in the body. And what he says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13 is this. He says, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, they or free. There isn't a, a socioeconomic class anymore in the kingdom. There isn't a status class. No, we've all been plunged into this body of Christ, and we've all been made to drink of one spirit. What Paul is saying is, guys, at the point of your conversion, you were bound to each other because you were placed into the body of Christ by the Spirit. And so the battle of the Spirit can mean the con- uh, converting work of the Spirit to one section of the church. But then you've got the other section of the church, which is the church kind of church I grew up in, where when they talk about the baptism of the Spirit, they're talking about these special empowerings, these special infillings that uh, produce a result in a person who is a believer already. They separate that kind of work of the Spirit as being something that seals or sanctions the, work of, of, of the converting work of the Spirit in the human soul. But there's a third kind of baptism of the Spirit that no one ever preaches on. I don't know if you ever heard of the baptism of the, of the Spirit which Jesus spoke of, which was suffering. And Jesus, there's a, I had it in my Bible reading plan this week. It was a great blessing to me because I felt it was a little nudge of encouragement. James and John come to Jesus one day and they say, Jesus, we want you to do anything we ask. I mean, that's such an audacious request, right? And the great thing is Jesus doesn't shut them down. He says, what do you want me to do for you? And James and John said, hey, when, when, when you come into your kingdom, would you let us sit at your right hand and at your left? And Jesus says, that's not mine to give, boys. But if you want to shut at it, you have to be able to drink from the cup that I'm going to drink from. And you have to be willing to be baptized with the baptism I am going to experience. And let me tell you, what he was talking about was Suffering. And 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 the psalmist, when the psalmist talks about all your waves and breakers have, have have washed over me, he's not talking about oh this is glorious. I'm in the presence. He's talking about being smashed by the storms of this life. That never was talking about. if shell shocked. What was the first kind of environment the Spirit led Jesus into after his infilling at his baptism? He was led into the the wilderness. And friends, let me tell you, there's a kind of work of the Spirit. It's not that He does the tempting. That's, that's Satan's job. But He can lead us into a place where we are put under great pressure in both minds and, and soul and spirits and body in deprivation. And when Jesus is spoken about being amongst the wild beasts, it's not a Disney picture. You know, we're all in flocking and come and sit at the feet of Jesus and they all sing to Him and He sings back. That's not what He's talking about. Friends, Jesus in the wilderness was at the risk or at, 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 at the danger, in danger of these wild beasts. It is the work of the Spirit um, leading Christ through suffering. And so the reason why I have not used the term baptism of the the Spirit is because which one am I talking of? And I want to say, if you've been taught that the baptism of the Spirit is at conversion, well then, you're right. But you must also realize that the words and these baptisms in, in Scripture are not technical. They have different meanings. And whatever your framework is, to identify it, you must have space that it is something more than happens at conversion. You know, in, in the Bible, if you read the New Testament, there are ten ways that the spirits work in the life of the believer. These special infillings happen. They're termed, I think, I've got it on the on the screen. It's called the promise of the Father. It's called being baptized with the Spirit. It's called the Spirit coming upon people. It's called receiving power. It's called being filled with the Spirit. It's called being the Spirit being poured out. It's called the gift of the Spirit. It's called the Spirit being received. It's called the Spirit falling on people. It's called the anointing of the Spirit. Friends, the Bible is not technical about the terminology. It's quite broad in the description. But the evidence is there of change. And that's why we call it special infillings. And I want to point out that these special infillings can happen more than once in Scripture. I mean, Peter's the perfect example. Here you've got a guy at Pentecost. He gets filled with the Spirit. I mean, it's quite a radical experience having tongues of fire on your, on your head, right? It'd be pretty a good, pretty good experience. But then in Acts chapter 4, he's filled with the Spirit again. He's facing those bullies in the Sanhedrin. And they're trying to shove him into a corner and not preach about Christ and trying to intimidate the people. And he's filled with the Spirit again as he's, he's pushing back with this boldness and this help from God. And then again in Acts chapter 4, uh, I think it's in yeah, verse uh, 31. Then Peter goes back to a prayer meeting and all the disciples go back to the prayer meeting. And the church is praying because they're under pressure. And again it says... The room shook. It was as if God came down in power and and shook the very building and they had great boldness to start going out again and facing a culture that hated them. Friends, I don't mind if you want to call the baptism of the Spirit conversion, but I want to ask you, do you have a framework for there being these infillings of the Spirit that happen simultaneously? It can happen when a person comes to faith or afterwards, and it can happen more than once. But friends, there, there needs to be something where we are open and, and, and uh, desirous of the special help of the Spirit. I mean, I, I, I tell you about what happened to my friends. This, this is a sovereign thing of God. I, there's no recipe. I had a friend called Calvin, and uh, I took him with a great idea to take your friends with who don't know Jesus on a youth camp. Bring them along. And uh, we, there, was a, there was a call to respond to the gospel, and Calvin said, No, I want to receive Jesus. He stood up, and so we prayed with him. And literally, I, I mean, I, I did not expect it. We prayed for God's blessing to come on his life, and we led him through, through salvation prayer. And, and Calvin had an encounter with God that ah, it, sh- it shocked me. It, he had just come to faith. What did he know about this? Nothing! <laughs> and yet God rocks up. And it can happen. And we see in Acts, it can happen at conversion, where God seals almost the second after there's this renewal, this regeneration, sorry, regenerating work of the Spirit. Or you can be like Paul. You know, Paul fascinates me. Here he is on his donkey. He's off to Damascus. And there, Jesus Christ himself comes in the flesh and says, Saul, so, why are you persecuting me? And the guy is struck blind. I mean, anybody had a conversion like that? You should be preaching, not me. And you know what happens? He goes, he's so shocked that he fasts for three days. He doesn't have anything to eat or drink. And you can't tell me he's not saved. I mean, there is Jesus. And he has seen Christ and it's blinded him. And there's Ananias praying, and God comes to Ananias and says, There's there's Saul down the road. You need to go pray for him. And Ananias goes off and he says, Saul, I've been sent to you. Come, it's it's time to be baptized. And he said, I've I've come that I might pray you may receive your sight and that you might be filled with the Spirit. Now, you could say, surely seeing Christ that it's blinding should be enough. But Ananias had been led by the Lord to pray in a way for Paul. That was something greater in his heart from just the mere regenerating work of the Spirit. It's wonderful. It happened three days later for Paul. Now, I want to tackle in my second point, why are these special infillings of the Spirit so important? Because the good question to ask is if I have the Spirit as a Christian, and I can start walking daily by the Spirit... With his help and start loving and living for Jesus, then why should I need extra help? Why should there be these the, you know how do I relate to these, these special infillings? Well, friends, the first and basic argument is that there's a difference in the person who experiences these special infillings of the spirit. There is a change. It happened in Jesus' life. He was he had a measure of the spirit, and he's empowering before his baptism when he had the Holy Spirit come down and remain in him, and after. And Jesus could say that the reason why I, I'm doing these things is because I've received a, an empowering from the Spirit. Uh, Peter was terrified of a little servant girl. You know, you must think humanly about these, these guys. I mean, they make me feel so much better about myself. I mean, here you get this guy, a little servant girl comes to him and says, Hey, you've got a Galilean accent. You're with Jesus. And three times he says, oh, I don't I've got nothing to do with this guy. And he is so embarrassed He's so embarrassed, he's not even there at the crucifixion. Maybe he's far away, but the only disciple that seems close enough to Jesus is John. And Jesus says to John and his mother Mary, this is your son, and this is your mother. Look after them. He looks after his very good son. But the point is this. is Here is Peter. He doesn't even want to be close to Christ. And, and they, You know what he's doing up in the upper room of the rest of the church after Christ commands him to be praying? They've locked the door because they're too afraid of the people outside and what they're going to do. I mean, if they could do to Jesus, they could do it to us, right? And they're terrified. <laughs> they're not being all holy and just praying. Friends, it was a great place to hide and feel safe in, in numbers. And the Spirit comes down so powerfully that Peter's able to stand up and start to preach to the very people that crucified Christ and said it's because of your sin that Christ was crucified. It's your fault. It's your fault. You crucified the Son of God. It was the sin of the world being placed upon Jesus and there was a conviction that happened and these guys, are, brothers what must we do to be saved? There was a response to the gospel of realizing it wasn't some, some mini uh, Pharisees that crucified Jesus it was my sin that crucified him and that second of seeing their culpability." Around the cross and the mercy of God being poured out upon their lives, it led them to this crying out of saying, Oh, what must we do to be saved? How do you explain that after just a few days before a guy's too afraid of a servant girl? He's received a special help from the Spirit. Wouldn't you like that kind of help? Yes. Well, I, I want to take a moment to say, how does the special infilling of the Spirit change us? It's a very important point. What happens in the life of the believer when this special infilling of the Spirit comes? Well, and how can you measure it? That's very important. We are to test the spirits. How do you know if there is the true Holy Spirit at work versus a counterfeit? Well, friends, whenever the Spirit comes with a special infilling, the first thing that you notice is that you have a heightened assurance of your sonship, of your daughtership, of you being a child of God. It's very important. And really, if you get this point and see, you'll see all the others are just an outworking of this one massive thing that happens in the human heart. Friends, a special infilling of the Spirit is a heightened experience of the Father's love for us. Romans chapter five, verse five says this because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through what? Through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. And 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 Paul has just been talking to these Romans and saying in Romans chapter five, verse one, You've been justified. You have peace with God. It's a beautiful scripture. You should read it often. You you are rejoicing in your sufferings. You're enduring with a hope and he says, "This is a hope that doesn't disappoint why? Because we know that it isn't it isn't God's cruelty?" that is, is causing us to suffer in this way, to suffer persecution and hardship and loss of property and potential uh, uh, crucifixion. Friends, it's not because of, of, of God's cruelty that we are suffering these things we, that we are with, uh, enduring. We're not without hope. It's because we know by the work of the Spirit that God loves us. The work of the Spirit in, a, in, in the human heart, in the believer's heart, it affirms not just at a rational, reasonable way, where we we know Jesus loves us as a no further Bible tells us so. That's the classic with my kids, my goodness. Is there is a deeper work. The first is right. We have a level of assurance because we believe the Bible. But friends, there is a deeper level that happens in the human soul when the spirit begins to move powerfully through a special infilling. It is what Romans chapter 8, which is about the spirit. It's glorious. Chapter 8, verse 15 to 16 says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father! And the spirit himself bears witness with our minds No. With our spirit that we are children of God, there is something that takes place in this inner, inner, inner infilling of the spirit. That it, it witnesses not just with our heads. We don't just have mere illumination. And I want to say there is more. There is more than just living rationally about your faith. There is more than just living reasonably about your faith. There is a dimension of God working in the human soul that it is a witness with his spirit and your spirit that you are a child of God. And let me tell you, it's a game changer. Do you know why? John Wesley put it like this. Please listen to me very carefully, because this is helping you to assess if, whether or not this has happened to you. John Wesley said, before he experienced the special infilling of the spirits, he said, "I had the faith of a servant, not of a son." That's the difference. Is what this heightened work of the Spirit in, a, in the believer's life does is friends, it removes a layer of insecurity in your position before God, and it leads to boldness. Boldness in seeing God, not as the master only, not as the king only, but as my father. And friends, it's a special kind of father. It is Abba. This, is, this Abba, it's not quite daddy, but it, it is a God that's a father that you can be very close to. And I want to say to you tonight, if you are insecure, you know, if you feel uncertain about whether or not God really loves you, but you're holding on by reason, by faith of God's word, well done. But there is something more to ask for. There is something more that God can confirm. What it is, it is moving from what you know in your mind to it being sealed upon your heart. It's powerful. It is the Spirit confirming what has happened to you at conversion. You are already a son of God, and, and your mind can cope with it to a level. Oh, but this ministry of the Spirit comes and affirms at the deepest part of your humanity. I, I, I can't go deeper than the spirit itself, but there is a witnessing, there is a confirmation that yes, you are born again because you've believed the truth. Oh, but you experience in your heart because it's been sealed by the spirit coming down upon you. And let me tell you, it changes the Christian. Why? Because they rolled on the floor? No. Oh, because they laughed? No. Oh, because they broke it in a funny tongue? No. Friends, this thing can happen in any multiple ways. That's not the point. The outworking of it is the second that they come out of that experience, it can linger for some time. It can happen over weeks. But the difference is this. The difference is when they start to pray, they're praying to a God they have great boldness to approach. It's not this academic understanding that you're doing the maths of because I'm righteous, therefore I'm, I'm acceptable. Because I'm acceptable in Christ, that means I can come to God. You're not even doing arithmetic. Your spirit is witnessing with God's spirit that you can come boldly to this Father. You can even call Abba. When you read your Bible, you suddenly are reading about a God that is for you. When you start to walk and you suffer, it's no longer... Is God being cruel? Let me tell you, the mark of a person that has experienced this infilling is one that looks at God as being perpetually, eternally good. The one that has not experienced this suffering is always a difficult experience because God's love, in a sense, is on trial. Because in your mind, you are doing your best to believe what your heart is struggling to cope with. But when you experience this outpouring of the Spirit, friends, it settles fundamentals in your relationship with God and it gives you such a boldness to start trusting Him. I mean, you can start to entrust your life to a God that loves you, right? You can start to believe when there's great pressure upon your soul that this God is for you. He's not against you. It's not just a rational experience of seeing Christ being crucified and that being the evidence of His love for you. That love is being ministered to you. And because it's being ministered to you, you stand. You go like Paul, I believed in him, but now I know whom I believed. And it will tell you that not only the Father loves you, but my friend, so does Christ. Oh, in Ephesians, Paul's writing to people who are saved. You must remember that they were saved in his ministry. Look at these beautiful words. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 19. It says, For this reason, and this is my prayer for you, Sterling. This is my prayer for us. with all the fullness of God. Friends, there is, a, there is a fullness in the Lord that the Spirit brings that the mind can't quite comprehend. It surpasses knowledge. Oh, but it's possible because the Spirit is ministering to our Spirit. Oh, that God is truly full of love towards us and His Son is no different. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And because of this, friends, the mark of the Spirit and its special infilling it makes you feel God being very close. And let me tell you what it does. It moves you from being faithful in your reason to believe the truth, to have an awakened appetite because you, got, you realize God can be much nearer than what you thought possible. Suddenly you go, I can't live the same. I know that this God can be more personal than what I understood at my faithful reason, at my faithful ability to try and, and, and hold to the truth and believe with my mind. Oh, but no, when this thing happens, of the special infilling of the Spirit, you start to see that this God is much closer, much more near than what you ever thought before. And you cannot go back to the same way of expectation as what you had. You can't. And friends, this can happen. I want to burst open the, the framework of oh, it must happen in this. Friend. Friends, it can happen as you are coming quietly before the Lord in Scripture. It can happen as you are sitting under a sermon. It can happen as someone prays. For you. It doesn't matter. But the mark of it is that God awakens you to His nearness. And suddenly, He's much closer than what you ever thought possible. And it leads to worship. Don't you think it's fascinating? 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 8 Peter says this is that this outpouring of the Spirit leads to joy that is inexpressible. It blows your mind, but it's filled your heart. It's joy that is inexpressible and it's filled with glory. Friends, let me tell you, it is appropriate for when God rocks up in the human soul in this way for our hearts to be thrilled. You know, at a human level, it spoke to me, it was almost a spiritual experience. I was watching this dating series, and there was this young guy. Well, he didn't think he was so young. He was a bit depressed because he never had a girlfriend. He's 30. And um, he was desperate, desperate. And he had some challenges personally. Uh, and they set him up with this girl who breaks all, all... She is very modern. She doesn't wait for him to make moves. She makes all the moves. He said, do you want to be my boyfriend? He's like, Oh Yes! And then she says, can I, can I give you a kiss? I mean, it's so innocent of these two. And he goes, yes! <laughs> and she gives him a little peck, And he literally goes, I could explode! <laughs> he says, I, I, I want to explode! Why? Because he's wanted and he's loved. Friends, friends. Don't you think a God who has made us to be loved and to love others wants to love us in that way? It's wonderful. It's thrilling. And the result is worship. It's worship. It's, it's joy inexpressible and full of glory. And it leads to boldness. Friends, suddenly what, what there, someone who was timid, Timid in their approach to God. Is this my master? And is he pleased with me? Suddenly go, yes, I know. It's sealed in my heart. I'm his. They go from being timid and frightened to being courageous and bold and confident. Bold to trust him. Bold to to share about him. Why? Because the fundamentals of their acceptance is settled. It doesn't matter if this person hates me because I know Jesus and want want them to know Jesus. It doesn't matter how they treat me because the fundamentals of my life, my security is settled in this unchanging eternal love of God. I know my spirit witnesses is His, but I'm His. If you don't want me, it's okay because I'm wanted by the one that really matters. And it will make you, make you attempt to do things for God you've never done before. The second point is It boosts your sanctification. It's not just this heightened assurance of of your sonship or daughtership. is that it boosts, It, it promotes sanctification, which is holiness in the life of the believer. Friends, don't you think that when God's Spirit melts your heart by His love, your desire that you want is to please Him? You do. You want to please Him. And He melts us. And, and the mark of the Spirit is this. It's not that you had an experience in some sort of way that sort of could match someone else's. The mark of the special infilling of the Spirit is that when you come out of it, you have a heightened sensitivity to sin. You know, my experience has been this, is the things that before you thought were just common day accepted suddenly become, I realize that they are a hindrance to your walk with Jesus. You become very sensitive to what pleases Him. And what happens, because of this infilling of God's Spirit, witnessing with your spirit, you start to see that this God, He loves you in a way that you didn't think was possible. He's not like you. This God, He's not made in your image. He's not to be messed around with. He's the God of glory, and it's wonderful to be loved. But you realize, oh man, this God is nothing like I am, and it leads to a sense of reverence and awe and wonder. And the right response to the infilling of the Spirit is a sense of glory, glory, in the presence of this God who is to be revered, to be in awe of it and to be wondered at. And it doesn't produce perfection. We, we don't agree that, that this working of the Spirit. Some in the past have, have said it produces perfection where we no longer sin. No, 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 that's not true. But it sharpens our conscience. It leads and reminds us of the truth. We become heightened to what pleases God because we've been softened by the Spirit. And what it does is when this spirit comes and fills us afresh, is it gives us motivation, fresh motivation to live a godly life. Have you ever had this experience? Oh, of course you have. You're human. Where your faith is fatigued. Any any of you ever had that? And it hurts to please the Lord. (laughs) It aches. You get up in the morning and you know you're going to have to get into a situation where you're going to have to Love for Jesus and it's sore. It's Ana. You're tired. And friends, what can happen is God has a way. He has a way at the right moments of meeting the believer. And the difference is when there's this fresh infilling of the Spirit, it leads to refreshing. It leads to renewal, it, 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 to a reviving, a rejoicing, a repentance that leads to a wonderful release. And what, what happens, and it can happen maybe, it, it happens quite often actually, when I think about, I'm with my small group, or when we're praying as a staff, or, or when we're here as a group, it tends to happen quite a lot in, in gatherings. It's happened as well in private prayer and scripture, where you, you come, but you're exhausted. You're going, oh, I'm really here, but It hurts. And suddenly God comes and ministers His Spirit in a special way. And what was hard before has become easier. What was achy before has become uh, soft and nourished and refreshed. And suddenly what was exhausting becomes possible. And that's what the Spirit does. He gives us fresh power to live a godly life even to the point of suffering for Jesus. Now, that's the, the first was the heightened sense of assurance. The second is, is it boosts our sanctification. But the third is it enables essential power for serving Christ. Can I, just, can I just nudge you tonight? You are more than the sum total of what the world says you must be. In other words, this is what the world says you need to be, is you need to get good marks, you need to get a, a good degree, find the trophy husband or wife if you want that, And then what you need to do is make sure you have a big enough retirement pot so that you don't miss out on life financially, but at the end you live a blissful life that's almost heaven on earth. Can I say to you tonight, you were born with a much bigger purpose than what the world is offering. And if you settle for that view, what you're going to find is you can miss the grace of God. And I I want to remind you what Jesus said to his disciples in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses. This was going to be an outworking, not just for the glory of their individual experience with God. Not just for the, the nice of being together as the church. No, friends, for the sake of the world, there was going to be an empowering of the Spirit that would effect change. And friends, we need this empowering of the Spirit. To do what God's called us to do. And, I, and there are times in the Christian life we receive extraordinary help to do the work that God's calling us to do. And, and, and I want to give a good example in the Apostle Paul. There he is going in through Turkey. Daily infilling of the Spirit is, okay, let's go north, guys. Let's go up north to Bithynia. And the Spirit says, No. Okay, well, he doesn't want us to go north. Let's go south. He's using his brain. He's not living off some special, woo-hoo. he's just going by what, what is a practical and good step for the gospel. And so he goes south into Asia Minor, but as he turns south, the Spirit says, don't go there. Well, he can't go back. He can't go north. He can't go south. So what does he do? He just carries on going where he's going, straight towards the coast of Turkey. And then at Troas, he's sitting praying, well, I don't know what to do now. And there the special help of the Spirit comes. He sees the Macedonian man and friend. An entire new ministry is birthed in Europe because God came to Paul and said, I want you to do this. And that's how this special infilling works. It gives us a knowledge of God's will. It gives us an empowering to move God's kingdom forward in a unique way. And, and you can, you, you'll see it with me on a Sunday. It's, preaching is a very vulnerable thing because I'm not always good. Do you know why? Because I don't always have the same level of anointing. Some nights you've seen that God is in the room. Other nights you're going, well, that was interesting. <laughs> That's true. You know, Martin O'Jones says the mark of a good preacher is he's sometimes bad because what he's leaning on is the special anointing of the Spirit. You see, human reason's always the same because it only expects what it can understand. But when you come in and have a person and you do it, when you do hospitality, you want to share the gospel at your work, you want to be a great teacher, a great friend, a great student, there are these, these environments where God is calling you to serve and you know the difference between a day of his extra helping versus the day of a sort of struggling and friends. The reason why it matters that we have as framework for these special infillings of the Spirit is because when they come upon the believer and help them in a unique way, we feel and know the difference. And you must not think, oh, the anointing is strong with that person. You know, have you ever heard that? The anointing It's like the force. The force is strong. The, you know what the anointing is? It's very simple. It's this oil poured out. It's not a little smidgen. It is poured glug, glug, glug down. And what the oil does in ancient times was what was hard because it was fric- there was friction. It, there, there, was, there was a, a and what do you call it, a seizing. It was difficult before. Because of this help of the Spirit, it becomes easy. That's it. And you will notice when the Spirit is working in me, the words are coming out just right, and you're going, yes, yes, yes. When you notice the Spirit is not, you go, help him, Lord. That's what it is. It's true. When you are praying individually, this is how it happens. You know, generally, sometimes, well, most of the time, you come, unless you are different to me, this is my experience, you come out of faithfulness to your Bible, and you come out of faithfulness to prayer, and as you're praying, you're sort of going, how many more minutes do I have to go to feel good, that I've put in a good time with Jesus? Oh, no, another ten more minutes. Okay, Lord, let's pray for another nation. You know, like you invent things. Verse going. There, there, is, there is this starting, and you start to pray. And suddenly something happens where, where you are sort of working your way through through rote. You know, we tend to do that. Now suddenly you're just being moved. And as you're praying, suddenly you're praying in a way where you know this is helpful. I'm getting help, and it's easy, and, and 10 minutes can go past, 20 minutes can go past, this person comes to mind, that person comes to mind, the president comes to mind, suddenly you're praying for the church, suddenly there's this help, As you, it, is, it is what was hard before, it's become slick and easy and smooth, and you feel the Spirit is helping, that's anointing, my friends. When you're reading the Bible, oh goodness, have you ever read the Bible more than once? What you'll find is things start to become familiar, you know, I had something happen to me. It was a very unique experience. Anybody ever had a word from the Lord from Philemon? Anybody know the book of Philemon? I had to read as an assignment. I had to read the Bible out loud over 40 days. And I got to Philemon. (laughs) One chapter. And nobody in the grandeur of Romans and Hebrews, and I mean, goodness me, whoever thinks of Philemon. Do you know the one thing that happened to me over those 40 days was when I got to that book and I started to read about the love of Paul for this slave. And his, 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 it was a supernatural love. And how the work how the, in the church Paul appeals to Onesimus, the slave. Um, he, he'd run away. Uh, I think it, it was the owner. I can't quite remember the names. Um, but the, the bottom line was this appeal of love. I wept. I was so moved. From Philemon. Why? Because that was an apportioned special help from God for me. And that's what it's like. You'll come to a sermon and you'll say, it was as if God was speaking to me. He empowers spiritual gifts. You know, I love (laughs) Whitfield. When he preached, the first time he preached the bishop over the diocese, Bishop Butler, he was quite a uh, earnest bishop, but he was very boring. He wrote big fat books no one read. And um, he gave the, the license. You had to get a license from the bishop to preach in the Church of England. And, and in Whitfield's first sermon, Whitfield had an encounter with God. The report was 15 people, I think it was 15 or 13, I can't remember, it was in the teens, went mad. And they reported to the bishop And they said, Bishop, Bishop Butler, Bishop Butler, that's what preached, and 15 people went mad. And Bishop Butler replied, oh, we'll have a bit more of that, thank you very much. Because in the end, you see, there was a difference between somebody moving with the help of the Spirit versus the exhausting intellectual boredom of arguments that was going nowhere. And it's the same. Suddenly, you just have a word for somebody. You start to pray for somebody. somebody this person's on your heart. You're just going with what the Spirit's doing. People are saying, well, how do you have it? Well, you're just going, well, it's there. It's there. I am just being obedient. What seems hard for someone else is easy for you because God's just working that way in your life. And I, I, I want to answer the question. It's a very good question. What's the point of these special infillings if they fade? And they do you know, you can have such a wonderful experience like Jacob at Bethel. There, the heavens opened. It's glorious. But I'm, I'm very afraid. I'm, a, I'm sorry. He had to leave Bethel. But what did he do? He built a pillar of stones. And friends, these special infillings of the Spirit, they are memorials in our walk with Jesus. They become reference points for our faith. You must not despise these special infillings because they fade. If it is an authentic work of the Spirit, friends, you cannot look at God the same way again. For someone who's experienced the help in their serving or let's say in preaching, I know the difference between the anointing when it's there and when it's not. When you're having to lead a little ministry, maybe you're you're overseeing um, some aspect of the church and you felt God's help or at work, you begin to realize there have been moments, there's been memorials of God's help in your life that you can never quite look at your life the same way again because of them. Or when you're praying, you've experienced God so close. You can never go back to being the same. It's not because you feel God close all the time, but you know how close He can be and you want it. It's when you're reading the Bible, it's gone from this dead letter book where people always tell you, read the Bible. Read the Bible to going, God speaks to me. Why? It doesn't mean every day you, you open up and He's speaking. It's because He has spoken to you before and today He might just do it again. These memorials in our lives start to shape the way We see Christ and His work in our lives and the difference between just doing things in the flesh versus the help of the Spirit. And friends, there is a different way of living. When God starts to meet you in these ways and they happen more than once, they don't have to be dramatic where everybody sees it. Friends, a lot of it can happen in the quietness of your own space with Jesus. But the point is this, when they happen, you build the stones because they become reference points of what God is capable of doing. They change you. Not because you always feel it, but because you have a frame of reference for what God can do. And you long for it. You realize there's a difference between the Spirit's hope and your own strength. You start to see the difference between legalism and trying to do things out of right so that somehow you can eke out an acceptance before God versus powerful manifestation of the love of God, giving you a different way of living, a different way of praying and seeing the world. It's glorious, and there's no better way. And so how do we have these? Can, are we, my, my final point tonight is, should we seek these special infillings of the Spirit? I mean, should we ask for them? Surely if we walk by the Spirit daily, why should we be hungry for these special infillings? Well, I hope most of the sermon has answered some of that tonight. But can I say to you, It's very difficult talking about this section because you're dealing with a sovereign God. There is no recipe. <laughs> there isn't. Don't you think the same spirit that is sovereign in salvation is sovereign in how he chooses to work? Of course. And I I push back against the five steps of being filled. I say the scripture, although it affirms it and encourages the longing for it, there are no recipes for predicting how it comes. And I am very clear tonight. The gift of tongues is not the only way an infilling can happen. I hope it's on your mind tonight youth that this is for you don't wait for a Bryce don't look at a Joe don't look at a Julie up on stage to think that they've got something that I don't have and I, and I ask the side of the room you're a bit older in age but you know what the problem is when you get older is you think that there's nothing new. I've seen it all. I've heard it all. Can I say to you tonight, whether you're young or whether you're old, you should hunger for God to work in your hearts and in the church in this way. Why? Because the outworking of a spirit-filled life is not, oh, I wish I had known prophecy more. Don't worry, they're just going to get hospitality ready. Working in their gifts. It's not that, you know, it's not that, oh, I wish I, you know, could have the gift of prophecy. Or, oh, I wish I maybe could be a preacher. Or, maybe, you know, the, the mark of a spirit-filled life, the reason why we desire it, is the Apostle Paul. What did he say at the end of his life? He's like, I wish I just planted one more church. I wish I just started one more ministry. I wish I had sold that extra book. Who would have known he would have been a best Right? You know what he said? He says, I want to know Christ. I consider all else rubbish compared to the surpassing worth of knowing him. And friends, the mark of fullness is not giftedness. The mark of fullness is a ravenous appetite to love and live for Jesus. And friends, do you know that prophecy is going to cease? You, do you admire uh, Joey preaching on stage or, or Julie's voice? Do you admire maybe uh, uh, the, uh, Cheryl's gift of a, a prophecy or Neville's gift of, of a word of knowledge? Do you admire these things? Friends, they are passing away. There's no prophecy in heaven. There's no preaching in heaven. There's no healing in heaven, praise God, because there's no sickness. There's no uh, gift of evangelism in heaven. All those gifts cease because what you get is Christ. And the mark of a church, if you are evaluating Sterling, please don't evaluate us according to our giftedness. The Corinthians were a shocking church, although they were uniquely gifted. Let me tell you, the mark of a church that is full of the Spirit is a fullness of Christ. That you will bleed and die for Him. That when the world tells you another way, you choose Him. And there is a fragrance and aroma from a church that is moving in a way. That it's not about themselves. It's not about their circumstances. It's not about what they can get out of this faith. Friends, it's not about what the world is telling us that it's all about me. Friends, it is a people that see Christ and will do anything for Him. That will do anything more to know Him more. That is the mark of fullness, friends. It is the blessedness of self-forgetfulness and a fullness of desiring all of Him. Who cares about Apollo and Peter? Who cares about a Joe and a Matt and a Mark? Who cares about what your favorite leader is in youth? Who cares about what you care about is Christ? That's what we must be after. Now we'll learn that God can equip us in unique ways to fulfill our purpose, but friends, if it's not for the glory of Christ, what's it for? If it's not motivated by a love for him and a love for the church and a life for the lost, what's it for? Is it that you can get a little fixed and say, Oh, I got the platform tonight and people saw how good I was. I really shared that. Well, let me tell you, the one that is is, is gripped by fullness is how can I glorify him? Doesn't matter about me, doesn't matter what happens to me, doesn't matter if I get this or that, doesn't matter if I get is I want to live for him. And I want others to know him too. Friends, tonight you might be coming and saying, I don't know what the heck is going on. This pre- guy is preaching about stuff. I've got no understanding about What we want for you tonight is to find Christ. That's what you need. You don't need the, 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 the applause of your friends. Friend, they are fickle. You don't need the next best grade at school. Though you might be saying, friends, why not you? You need more than anything else is Christ. And might you find him here at Sterling? Might he be on the lips of the people here? Might he be in their prayers? Might he be in the songs? Might he be in the desire to live? Might the fragrance of Jesus? Might the mark of this church be? When I come here, I couldn't get away from Christ. That's fullness, friends. That's God's glory manifested through the Spirit in a special way. Where you see... The sin of self, the obsession of self, the obsession of, of, of preconceived ideas about God dying in the midst of the presence and glory and hope of the Spirit. And I, I say to you tonight, I, there are no recipes that can happen in many different ways, but I do notice that in Scripture, it is linked to prayer. And I want to say, if you are not interested in the daily infillings of the Spirit, I don't think you must be interested yet in the special infillings of the Spirit. (laughs) Is there is a link between a heart that desires to please Jesus every day, a dependency on the Spirit, and a desire for Him that the Spirit seems to honor. Friends, if you think that this is just about what you can feel or get out of it, then I'm afraid it's not for you. What the Spirit is training us to look at and long for is Christ. You want more of Christ? It's for you. It's for you. And you ask, you pray, you pray. And you know, I was speaking to Wendy Heasley. Greg, who preached two weeks ago, his wife, on the Saturday night before he preached, we were just talking through... This whole wonderful work of the Spirit. And she said this to me. She said, Matt, I pray for the infilling of the Spirit every day. Because I need the Spirit's help to live for Jesus. That's right. And we recognize His daily help to resist sin. To be reminded of God's Word. But she is open and longing to be more effective, to be fuller in love for Christ and love for the church. She wants to be helped along as much as she can, as much as God is willing in that day to work in art. She wants it. That's right. That's how it works. And and you can go read it at home. Luke chapter eleven, verse five to thirteen. Jesus gives us tremendous encouragement. He tells a story of, of this person that's asleep with their kids in bed at night, and there's a friend banging on the door, and the friend in the bed doesn't want to get up for good reason because if he gets up, he's going to wake up the kids and dirty his feet. And and this guy keeps banging. <laughs> open, open my nose. I need some bread. I've got some on here, and I haven't a chance to bake. Eventually, it says it says Jesus says. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. Yet, because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Not what he wants. He needs this bread. So for some entertainment fix, he's got someone to feed. He needs bread to do this work of hosting well. And he goes and he knocks and he knocks on his friend's door. He says, help me out here. And because of his impudence, because of his belligerence, because of his his determination... He gets his answer. And Jesus says, And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone. In this, in this aspect, we'll see what he's talking about now. He res- they receive. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. And this is it. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will the heavenly Father give what? The Holy Spirit to those who? Do you notice that it's someone who is saved. You're already calling God Father. You're not begging for salvation tonight. God gives it as a gift. But friends, can you see that there is such an invitation? Wendy Heasley's got it right. She knows every day she can come and ask and seek and knock for the filling of the Spirit. And it might manifest in however sovereignly God decides, but she wants all the help she can get. And I want to say this kind of prayer, if you're in a space of wanting more of Jesus, that's the work of the Spirit. This kind of praying is abnormal. You can do it because you're told to, or you can do it because you're groaning for more. And I want to say, some of you know what that's like. Jesus has gripped your heart, and he's calling you to pray, where before you're just not satisfied. Before you could be satisfied with doing the things that you did normally. But suddenly, God starts to to work on your heart, and you're desperate in a sense. You you want more of God, and you're driven to prayer, and there can be a season of groaning in prayer. And then God responds through the infilling of the Spirit. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. But you must yield to it. If you have an heightened desire for Christ, that's not of your flesh, my friend, that is the work of the Spirit, and fan it into flame. Express it. And then lastly you'll see in our church that it's linked to prayer, your personal prayer, but it's also linked to the prayer of others in the book of Acts. Won't you stand quickly, Nataska? Is you'll see them do this. It's profound, eh? I mean, it's amazing. It's so difficult. I had to do a little dance. Did I have to do anything? <laughs> yeah. you know, I, did I have to, did I, did I have to uh, do a sugar, 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 pow? Yeah, I'm, I won't fall, don't worry. <laughs> no, 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 not yet. <laughs> there's wonderful precedent for the body of Christ to be the source of the blessing of the special infilling. It's so simple, there's no shabba dabba there's no whoop doopty doop doops All it is, is it's coming and going, can I pray for you that you might receive a special infilling of the Spirit? And we pray. And I tell you, some of you have stories of how God has just been a blessing to you through your brothers and sisters you have prayed. I'll give you a little secret about our small group. I don't really look forward to the time when we talk about the Bible, because I have to but I look forward to the time of prayer. I look forward to having my brothers and sisters around me, and and we lay on hands sometimes to say, like, you know, as a son, we pray two, one on one and one, you know, doesn't matter, guys and guys, whatever all the rules are, doesn't really matter. But the point is this: is we pray, and I tell you what, God moves. There are times, thank you, Inateska. There are times. You know why we call it the infilling of the spirit, friends? Is you leave after a moment full. You go, Oh, I came here empty. I've been revived. And there is a way that God honors community, the body, He has a way of affirming that you are part of a bigger picture. That's why tonight, you know why I come to church? I don't do it because just God tells me you better not neglect the gathering of the saints is because I know when I come to church, God could do anything. It's so exciting. I don't know how a sermon's going to go. I don't know what God is going to show you. But a living God on the move is an exciting prospect for the one who has expectation. It's glorious. I look forward to small group because I don't know when we get, open up the piano and there starts to be a clanky clank clank. I don't know what God is going to do. Glorious. That's how we live. Can I say to you tonight, there's nowhere else in East London tonight I'd rather be. This is the most exciting place. What a joy. Pray for one another. Pray for one another. And you pray yourself. And let's let let God be God. (laughs) Let's stand together. If this was for you tonight, which I hope it was, would you just open up your hands and just say, Lord, as a sign of surrender and desire, I want to open up my life to you again. Oh, Father, this is a gift. It's not a wage. This is a blessing. It's not a burden. This is your promise, Father, that we would be a people of special help. <laughs> and I want to pray tonight, would you come by your Spirit and fill our hearts afresh with a fullness that only you can give. Come, Holy Spirit. I pray for the joy of the Lord. I pray for the peace that comes from knowing a Father who loves us. I pray for a boldness that comes from a security of knowing no no matter what another person says, Father, we know what you say not just with our heads but our hearts tonight. Come, Lord, with times of refreshing, times of renewal, times of blessing. Make us a full church, we pray. And I want to pray tonight, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is on offer only through Him. It is thrilling to live close to God. But it's for anyone here who will bow the knee to Jesus. I want to ask you, have you come to a place in your life where you see your need for Jesus? Would you respond to him tonight? Would you say, Lord, I'm sinful. I see my sin as being the cause of your crucifixion. And I want to be right with you tonight. Can you say that? And you say to the Father, I want Jesus. I trust Jesus. Grant me your Son. And then you say to him, I want to live for you. I want to live for you. God, take my life. As best as I know, I want to live for you. You tell Jesus that tonight.